Welcome back to Epilogues, an unpacking of the weekly Haftarah. You are listening to Rabbi Yaakov Trump. Today we're going to be looking at the Haftarah of the first day of Rosh Hashanah, which is the to be found in Sefer Shmuel Aleph, the first parak, and the tenth psukim of the second parak. The topic of our parak is, our Haftarah is Chana's prayer. Let's put things into context and understand why it is the Torah of the first day of Rosh Hashanah. We had the beginning about a man by the name of Elkanah. He lives in Har Ephraim in a place called Ramah Time, and, um, and he was a person who would go up to go to the Mishkan to do Aliyah Laregel many times. We hear that he has two wives, he is married to Panina and to Chana. Panina has many children and Chana does not have children. Um, we hear that when he goes up to, to, the, to, to the Mishkan at the time, because this is before the times of the Beis Amigash in, Se- in Sefer um, Shmuel, um, what you do is you give extra portions to Chana. Um, as, as well, um, in, a, in, a, in a sense of favorance, because he loved her very dearly. Um, but um, um, in, the, in the meantime, what would happen is, is that um, Pinina um, Tsarasa, which was her, her, so to speak, antagonist or a co-wife, was, uh, w- w- would, would tease her, would hurt her, and it would, it would really hurt her. Um, and w- when, she, when she saw this, um, Elkanah, Elkanah realized this was happening to his wife, he would say to her, Why are you not eating? Why are you crying? Why is your heart so in so much pain? Surely I'm better than ten sons. Before we move on, just a few points to notice over here. Who is Elkanah? Why is it so significant? We know that the, the Gemara tells us that the times of Shoftim, this was the end of the period of Shoftim, um, it was a bad generation. Um, in fact, we know that, uh, that during the time of the Shoftim, there was another shrine, not the, just the Mishkan, but there was a shrine called Pesel Mecha, which was an idolatrous shrine in the hill of Ephraim, and the, the, as the Gemara describes, the smoke of the Shrine of, of Pesel Mecha will get intertwined with the smoke of the Mishkan. It was really not a good time, and people were not necessarily um, d- doing Aliyah Regal coming up to the Mishkan as they should be doing. Elkanah had broken that trend as well. In fact, we also know that Elkanah was a Levi um, as well. The person who ran the Shrine of Pesel Mecha was also a Levi, and he still would come up, even though the people who facilitated the Mishkan were the children of Eli, the Kohen Gadol, whose names were Chofni and Pinchas, who were less than desirable leaders. They, were there, they would take advantage of their power in a number of different ways, but nonetheless, Elkanah himself would come, and as the, the, the Mepharshim described, he would bring people with him. So he was very much a person uh, who, who was a leader in his field. He went the extra mile to ensure that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was more prominent in the world as well. So we, we hear a lot of a lot of very beautiful things in terms of just his role and the significance of him. We oftentimes hear about Hannah, but it's important to understand his role specifically in the contextual milieu as well. Now, what was it that Penina said that made Hannah so uh, so, uh, so um, hurt? So Rashi explains that he would she would ask her things about good deals on children's food or children's clothing. She said, "Oh, do you notice? I just recently there was a sale for children. Oh, I'm so sorry. You don't have children. That's that, that's what that's what would end up happening." Um, and in a very painful way as well. Why did she do this? So the Gemara and Baba Basra test, test Zayin and Aleph would tell us that Penina was well intended. Like the Satan was well intended by Eov, the, the, what was happening was is she was trying to encourage Penina, I mean to Achana, to pray harder because the more pain she'd be in, the more fervently she would pray and ultimately bring, bringing her to her child. Did it work? It did work. Khan did pray more fervently, and ultimately we're going to see it brings a child. However, the, 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 even though the Gemara says that she was the Shem Shemaim Niskavna, in the end of the day it didn't really work out for her. It was not so good. As Rashi describes that, we, as we're going to see in the song of Khan at the end, 
um, every time that Hannah had a child, afterwards two of the children of Penina would die. Um, and because it was, it's not fair to play the role of God. It's not all right to say the ends justify the means, because sometimes the means are too painful. It's not our place to be that judgment person um, in, in situations. So we now here we go further into the Haftarah, where we hear how Hannah gets up after everybody's had their meal. And she's by the Heichel Hashem, but she's by the Mishkan Shiloh. You can go to this place today. You can visit the Makoma Mishkan today in Shiloh and see where Hannah stood. She was very pain, pained in her soul. And she made a neder and she says, HaKosh Baruch Hu, if you will allow us to have children, then I, and you give us Zerah and Hashem, and then I'm going to give the first one, Nesativ, LaHashem Kol Yimei Chayav, and Moral Rasha, he will be a Nazir. He won't have his haircut. Um, Shmuel was, it was ultimately a Nazir. Um, why is she davening specifically now? Why is this the critical moment? The 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 Dad Mikras says because uh, she was like Rachel Imenu, where I was in a place where her husband couldn't understand who she was. Meaning to say, at this point in time, she just she her husband had just essentially said to her a very callous comment. He'd said to her, "Well, is it not enough that I've had you aren't, aren't I better than ten sons to you?" But he didn't really understand the pain that she was in. That's why suddenly she realizes the Malbim explains is that she was up to her. She realized that her husband wasn't really so agitated about this it wasn't didn't mean so much to him in the end of the day and so now she realized uh, it's only up to me and that's why her prayer was even more fervent at this point in time which is why she made this neder right now um, what is the request of Zerah and Hashem? So of, of, uh, of literally a seed of men. So the Rashi quotes the Gemara that it could mean either somebody who's special who is like important like Ishim or could mean somebody who's muvla bein anashim, a person who is absorbed, who is who is uh, among others, who's not not d- 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 distinct from them. It's important to think about both of those ideas; those are opposites. But at the same time, it's important to find the balance of somebody who's distinct, who has a role in life. But on the other hand, is not somebody who is always sticking out and is always looking to get more followers and subscribers, and just just is actually doing their job in life as well. That's what she was asking for. Um, we now hear about Eli's reaction. Eli is the coin god who's sitting by the, the the Mishkan, and he sees this woman. She's praying in a very unusual way. She's praying in a way that she, you can't hear her voice. He thinks she is a drunkard. And he says, He says, this is not appropriate. Go away from the Mishkan. You can't be getting drunk here in the Mishkan. And she says, where she says that no, my master, or no, you're not my master. She says, she, she says, I am praying. I'm a, I'm a lady of, of bitter spirit and I'm praying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Um, and, uh, and then she asks to find favor and get a blessing from him, for him as well after she reprimands him for his miscalculation as well. Why does he think she's a drunkard is one of the questions that we can ask. The answer is, well, first of all, he's not used to the style of prayer. But it also is that he consulted the Urim Vatumim. And the words that came out were, the letters that came out were Shin Chof Reish He, which spells Shikora, a drunkard. However, because he did not have sufficient Ruach HaKodesh, he did not understand how to put the letters together. And actually, the word was that was trying to be conveyed to him was Kishayra, the same letters, that she, in fact, is a woman of great holiness, of, of, of pure intentions. But he was not able to do this, which is why Hannah said to him, Loi Adoni, you are not a master. You don't understand how to read the or even some, which is why she was castigating him as well. Um, at the end, it says that that, that uh, when Eli gives her a blessing, l'chila shalom, he actually gives her a blessing. Then it says uponer loy hayulod. She no longer had her face, meaning her anger, her that that face of pain left her. Why she had not been answered yet? So the radak the, the radak explains that you see that she was confident enough in her prayer, and she was confident enough in the blessing 
of Ailey that she knew this was going in the right direction um, as well. And this is the, this is really what happened over here, which is a very powerful thing, is that sometimes we know it's right. We know that the Tefillah is right. You'll see something else over here is that who is right? Was Ailey right or was Hannah right? The Gemara in Brachos, Dav Lamed Aleph to Amor Aleph to Ambez, learns many of the Hilchos Tefillah from Hannah, indicating that Hannah was ultimately right. The way she prayed is in fact the way it serves as the benchmark for how we pray today. There was so much that we learned from Hannah. Ultimately, she, she was proven right in her desperate uh, situation of desperation. We then hear at the end of the parak is that they get up in the morning, they go back to the house, um, where, uh, she conceives and she does have a child, um, and she calls his name Shmuel, not because of Shema, because Hashem hears, it's rather ki Hashem she'iltiv. I asked him of Hashem, she tells her, wife, her husband, Elkanah, that she's going to wait until she weans him, which is about around two years old, and then she brings him to the, 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 the Mishkan and dedicates him and gives him over to Shmuel, to, 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 Elka, to Eli, to be, a, uh, to be a, uh, a person who's going to be trained in the precinct of the Mishkan and serve in the Mishkan as well. Um, very powerful description of the story. And then finally at the end we have over here the Song of Chana, the last ten Sukkim, which is the Perak Bays, where we hear Chana giving rise to a, to, a, to a very beautiful song about having had children. There it is worthwhile noting that there are multiple tiers of understanding in these um, in, 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 in her song. It's not just about having children. It's really reflecting upon Hashem's where she thanks Hashem, but then she reflects upon the way how Hashem operates in history. How we sometimes look at the stronger and the victors and we think they're important. They think things are mikra, disconnected events, but they are fallacies and she rejects them saying that Akash Baruch Hu really has a plan. And his hashkacha, his but the specific providence is going to be afforded to those who trust in him and that is going to arrive at the Mashiach Hashem, the anointed one of Hashem, who in fact her son Shmuel will anoint, the first two kings of Israel, Shaul HaMelech and David HaMelech as well. The, the Barbanel does point out that there is a chiasm in our, um, in, which means a reflected parallel in our in, in the song, which is she talks about strong people being lowered, weak people being raised. Then she talks about rich people being impoverished and poor people being enriched. And then barren women being given life and mothers of children bereft, a hint to Penina. Um, and then the, uh, and, uh, and uh, what happens is, is it's reflected ba ba backwards is Hashem Hashem kills and gives life. That's a reflection of barren woman and uh, bereft, uh, bereft woman. Then Hashem gives poverty and wealth. That's a reflection of rich people and impoverished people. And then Hashem gives honor to the lowly. That's uh, that Baruch lifting up and those who are lowered and weak people being raised. So it's, it's built in that chiastic structure as well. Very beautiful description. It's worthwhile noting that the word used to describe the prayer of Hannah when she wanted a child so desperately and the song of Hannah when she joyfully celebrated having a child, the word used is Vayispalel, that she prayed, as we translate it today, tefillah comes from this word over here. Um, it's worthwhile noting that's the same word. That means to say that Hannah had this deep and intense relationship with the Almighty, whether it's be at the times that she needed something desperately or whether she was thankful. It wasn't that she only had a relationship with the Almighty at times of desperate need, but she had the same level of intensity of relationship even at times of joy and thankfulness as well, which is a message. Why is this the Torah of? Um, of, of Rosh Hashanah, and the answer is, is because it was on Rosh Hashanah that this prayer was made. In fact, today hundreds of women go to the Mishkan Shiloh on Rosh Hashanah 
to Daven. It's a very special thing to go to the same place that Chana spoke. There's actually a beautiful signpost up in the in what's called Tel Shiloh, the area of where Shiloh um, um, was, the old city of Shiloh, and Tulas Chana, uh, the prayer of Chana is actually there. Many people pray and pray for children specifically, or for others who need children um, for, um, on the on Rosh Hashanah as a function of the Torah and seeing the prayers being answered. We should always remember to pray and thank Hashem with the same level in fervor and intensity as Chana did. In the meantime, have a wonderful, meaningful day and a beautiful Rishana Tova.